0: I invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. I'm going to be looking at, our, this is our third week looking at the resurrection and the implications of the resurrection. We're going to look at a familiar story, the story of Peter's restoration. Verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way, Simon, Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Then when they got on, out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Pray with me. Father God, I pray that through your spirit you would speak. That grace Would be proclaimed and would go forth in the reading and the proclamation of your word. May that grace change us. God, I ask that you would open up our hearts and you would open up our minds through your spirit. We cannot do that ourselves. Press on us the urgency of your word, that this is life and death. Breathe life here. I pray that my words would fall to the ground and that they would blow away and nobody will remember my words because nobody needs to listen to me. But Lord, let your words remain and may they change us. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Follow me. Follow me. When Peter first meets Jesus, that's what he tells him. That's what Jesus tells Peter. Follow me. And here we see Jesus' last words to Peter, and they're the same words. Follow me. So at the beginning of Peter, uh, Peter's relationship with the Lord, and at the end, before he ascends to heaven, it's the same phrase, follow me. But for Peter, the understanding could not be any more different than when he had heard them three years earlier. I mean, three, year, er, three years earlier, when he heard Jesus call to him and say, follow me, he's thinking parades. He's thinking feast, He's thinking of celebrations and victorious battles. That's what he's thinking of. And so he says, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'd be happy to become a fisher of men to, to bring people into this cause. That was three years earlier. And I wonder if Peter can even remember who he was. He's so different now. So different. Jesus was so different. Jesus was so much more than he had ever thought. And Peter was so much less than he had thought. I can remember standing in front of a sanctuary full, packed full of people, and here comes my bride, here comes Lauren, and she walks down and she has spent an entire day or half of a day preparing for this moment. She is gorgeous, she's in white, and she comes forward and she stands and we exchange vows. We say things like, for, for sicker, for, I can't remember, for better or for worse, and sickness and in health. And we exchanged these vows and I meant them. But I had no idea what I meant by them. I was 23 years old. Now when I look back, if I were to say those same vows, they have so much more meaning. Because we've, we've gone through pains together. We've experienced pains in one another's families together. We've had children who have kept us up late at night and who have been sick and and we've just gone through life together and now if you were to ask me to say those same things, I would still gladly do it, but you know what? They have a totally different meaning when I say for better or for worse, sickness and health because life has changed those and it's the same thing for Jesus. When he tells Peter, follow me, first Peter's like, yes, after three years, he knows what Jesus means. He knows what follow me means. Same words. Two very different things. What do you think of when you hear Jesus saying, follow me? What, what, do, you, what do you understand that call to be? Peter is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. He's probably a lot of your favorite character in the character in the Bible. Um, Certainly of all the disciples, we have the most information on Peter. He's the one who walked on water. He was the first one to say, Jesus, you are the son of God. Um, Peter was the one who was rebuked by Jesus for saying, no, no, you don't need to go the road of suffering and death. Peter was the one at the Mount of Transfiguration who said, let's build tents here so we could just stay here, Jesus. Peter was the one who said, hey, if everybody else denies you, I will never deny you. And then Peter was also the one who denied Jesus. So how can a man who denied even knowing Jesus to a little girl become the rock, the leader of the church? I mean, why not John? I mean, after all, John is the one referred to in this this gospel as the one whom Jesus loved. John was the only disciple who stood at the cross by Jesus. It was John whom Jesus said, Behold your mother. I mean, Jesus entrusted his mom to John. But the church, Peter. What qualifies Peter? And I actually think it's because of his denials. It's because of his failures. It's because he has been humbled down and he thinks nothing more about himself and his abilities. It's because of those failures that uniquely qualifies him to feed sheep. Jesus is risen from the dead and he's appeared two other times to the disciples. This is the third time but Peter has yet to have that, a conversation with Jesus. He's yet to sit down and really talk through him about some of those disappointing things he did. Several of his the disciples are Peter. He takes them out fishing. Peter's apparently gone back to his old profession of fishing. And, and I've read a lot of people who are very hard on Peter about this. And I don't think we should be too hard for one, he's got to eat, he's got to work, he's got to do something. Two, Pentecost hasn't happened, and so, so although he has seen the risen Jesus, the Holy Spirit has not made that a power in his life. There's not the resurrection power yet. Although he sees this, he believes that the power is not there. And then he's just got to think he's disqualified from ministry. I mean, he denied Jesus. I can't be a minister. I'll go fishing. I'll go fishing. And it's here that Jesus appears to Peter and he recreates both his first encounter with Peter and his last encounter with Peter. He recreates both of those. that that first recreation Peter's out there and he's fishing he's been fishing all night he hasn't caught anything and just like in Luke 5 Jesus says cast your nets out over there and Peter does and he catches in a huge haul of fish and then John says it's the Lord and then and then Peter for some unknown reason he puts on his clothes and he jumps in the water which is just one of those details that John includes several of that just scream eyewitness account you know why you know It happened. That's why John recorded it. It happened. It doesn't really make sense, but he put on his clothes and he jumped in, swam to Jesus. When he gets to shore, Jesus recreates another scene. He has a fire going. Now the last time that we see Peter around a fire was in the courtyard at Jesus' trial when he denied Jesus. Jesus. I don't know if you remember, but he was warming himself by the fire and he was watching Jesus kind of go through his trial. And he'd already denied Jesus twice. And it was at that moment a little girl came and said, are are you one of the followers of Jesus? And he cursed and said, no. And the rooster crowed and it says at that moment Jesus looked at him. I mean, can you imagine that? There's Jesus standing up to, to all of these leaders. And here's Peter denying him to a little girl. And that look had to just go straight to his heart. And now once again, Jesus is looking at him over the fire. He's recreated this scene. It's got to be awkward. I mean, you're staring at Jesus' resurrected body. I'm sure all of the disciples were never more aware of their fallenness. They're in a body, you know, of sin, a body of decay. Just even being around Jesus, you know, in all of his glory in that perfect resurrected body. And he looks so different and they just look so sinful and sick. And like, you know, is that the Lord? I'm not going to ask, is that the Lord? I mean, yeah, it's got to be the Lord, but he just looks so different. It's, yes, it's the Lord. And, and nobody even asks anything, they, but they just know it is him. And Peter is standing across or sitting across the fire, and Jesus looks at him, and it gets painful. Painful. Peter, do you love me? These questions had to pierce his soul. You know, we have that phrase: "Sticks and stones won't break our bones; it's a bunch, uh, and your words cannot hurt me." Which is a bunch of rubbish. Think of the times you've been hurt most in life, and it has come through words. Make no mistake, Jesus is demolishing Peter. He is reducing him to rubble here. He's not doing it for revenge, he's not doing it to be cruel. What he's doing is surgery. If you have cancer, you don't go to the doctor, and he, and he doesn't put a band aid on you and say, All right, you're better. If you go to the doctor, he's going to have to get out a scalpel. He's going to have to cut it out. It's going to be painful. This is surgery to Peter. And it's a public surgery. All of his friends are watching him. Jesus is doing this in public because Peter denied him in public. And Now, you need to understand that Peter's sin has been dealt with on the cross. Please understand that. This isn't about forgiveness. Peter's not atoning for his sins here. Those have been dealt with on the cross. But this forgiveness and this restoration has got to work in. It's got to work in. It's got to be a reality to him. And that is a painful process. Jesus looks at Peter and his first question is, do you love me more than these? And now on first reading, most people assume that Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me more than the disciples that are gathered here? Um, Something that I believe most of my life, but that changed a few years ago. I actually think Jesus is talking about the fish. I really do. I think he's talking about the fish. Do you love me more than these? And let me explain why. You know, Jesus is risen from the dead. He's already appeared a couple of times, yet Peter is fishing. He's not teaching, not telling people about Jesus. Jesus. He's not making disciples, he's not doing, he's not fulfilling his calling, he's fishing. He was supposed to be a fisher of men, but he is rejecting his call on his life because he thinks he's no longer worthy. Another reason I think that Jesus is referring to the fish is that when Peter came to shore in verse 9, Jesus already had fish on the fire. He already had breakfast cooking. He didn't need the fish for that, but he still wanted the fish brought to him, and he still wanted the fish laid out before him. He wanted that visual there. John points out that there was 153 fish. If you have any good theory as to why there's 153 fish, I I would love to hear it. I, I read 17 commentaries, none in agreement on what the 153 could be. Um, I think it's 153 because there were 153 fish. And, um, and they counted them. And I don't know if that's symbolism or not, but you kind of get the picture of that. this huge net comes in and the disciples are like, oh my gosh, that's a ton of fish. How many do you think there are? Let's count. 153 fish. And it stuck out in the writer's mind and he recorded it. It says eyewitness written all over it. And Jesus has those 153 fish brought to him because he wants those fish present when he asks Peter his first question. Peter, do you love me more than these? Actually, he doesn't say Peter. He says, Simon, do you love me more than these? Not Petros. Not The name I gave you when you accepted my call. I'm calling you by the name you had before my call. Simon. Do you love me more than these? Simon, do you want your old life or do you want the new one that I've called you to? Do you want to be just a fisherman or do you want to be a fisher of men? Simon, what do you want? I mean, I've called you to be a rock. Do you love me more than you love your old life? I've just given you tremendous success. Will you walk away from it now and be my disciple? I mean, what about us? Do we love the resurrected Jesus more than the things that he offers, more than the gifts he gives us? Do we love him more than a nice house or a beautiful spouse or, or all those things, the good job? Do we love him more than those things? Can we walk away? And the only logical answer is absolutely if we believe in the resurrected Jesus. No comparison. Yes, Jesus, you know I love you. Yes, Jesus, you know I love you. Yes. We'll gladly leave that behind. Peter says, yes, yes, yes. And after each yes, Jesus tells Peter to feed or to tend his sheep. Now, this is, incru- this is incredible. Do not, do not just re-buy this really quickly. Land here. Feed my sheep. Peter never forgets this conversation for the rest of his life. These words are etched in his heart at this moment. He alludes to it over and over again and over again for the rest of his life. Feed my sheep, Peter. Yesterday, Natalie, um, our three-year-old, she wanted to learn how to feed our parakeets. And I thought, okay. And so um, she got the little bird feeder thing, and she you know, put the seed in, and of course she dropped it, and seed went everywhere. And uh, so I, I said, Natalie, that, that's okay. Don't worry about that. And... So I took the feeder from her, and, you know, and I put the seed in and put it in there. And, and I could tell she was disappointed. I mean, she, obviously, she wanted to please me. She failed. I had to do the task. Um, so I said, Natalie, well, how about you want to water the birds, do the, do the water bottle? She's like, yes, I want to do that. And this is Natalie we're talking about. And so those of you who know Natalie knows what happens next. Um, She doesn't hold the water bottle together. It falls and water goes everywhere. And So now we have, you know, water all over the seed, all over our floor. And once again, I say, don't worry about that, Natalie. It's okay. You didn't mean to. And she handed me the water bottle for me to, to do it. And this story was fresh in my mind. And I got the water bottle and I put it back in her hand. I said, no, Natalie, you can do it. You would not believe the amount of joy that gave her. Her face beamed. I didn't take away that task because she failed and do it myself. You know, I didn't just say, oh, Nellie, it's, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Now I'm going to do this, okay? I'm going to do this now. No, she knew things were really right when I gave her the task again. I entrusted it to her again. And she was just radiant with joy. That's what Jesus is doing to Peter here. You now, Peter understands he's forgiven. He understands that. That's why he jumped in the water and he swam to Jesus. He's forgiven. But for him, it's purely a forensic sense. He, he knows I'm justified. I know my sins are not going to be held against me. But the task has been taken away from me, I'm not restored. Restoration is different from forgiveness. But Jesus restores Peter here by giving him the task of feeding his sheep. He doesn't say, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, you know, I love you. And he goes, there, there now, Peter. That's great. All is well. You're forgiven. No, he says, you love me? Here's your task. Feed my sheep. Follow me. And Peter's heart is probably going up and down. It's too painful as Jesus is doing this. And yet it's also too good. Pain, joy, pain, joy, as this restoration happens. And that's what Jesus works in our hearts still today. He brings in this incredible pain and through it, he brings this joy. That's what restoration looks like. Peter's thinking this is too good to be true. This is the highest task one could ever receive. Then Jesus tells Peter in verse 18 Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said. To show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, part of this task is suffering. Do do you understand what it means to follow me now? Do you understand that? It's it's the path of the cross. You are no longer your master. You're no longer going to get to go where you want to go. If you choose to follow me, and these words hung over Peter's head for three decades before he was finally killed. Those words just hovering over, knowing at any moment he was finally going to be led to his crucifixion. And when Jesus, or when Peter heard these words, he never, ever, ever got over them. They changed him to his core, and I was thinking of how I could... I could share this with you because I can't go through all of Peter's life and so I just picked 1 Peter. Let me read you parts of Peter's first letter and see if you can hear this conversation permeating through it. 1 Peter 1, verse 6, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 20. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. Verse 25. For you are straying like sheep, but you now have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Chapter 3, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Chapter 4, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings. 1 Peter 5, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. All throughout the letter, Peter talks about suffering, about being restored, about going astray, and Jesus pulling him back. He talks about being like a sheep. This conversation changed him to his core. He never got over it. The joy that God would call him back, Feeding sheep, to preaching. Now, this is the re- what the reality of the resurrection does for us. If the resurrection is a reality, this is what it does it galvanizes us to do the task that God has given us in this life. We now have the strength to do this task if we believe in the resurrection. I mean, who really cares about persecution? Who cares about suffering? Who cares about death? If you are serving the risen king who will someday raise you up from the grave and you will live forever with him. Who really cares about those things? You keep to the task. And Peter, thinking of that last day when Peter would see him again, was this fuel that ignited him. To follow and serve Jesus with reckless abandonment. I've got to read this. The last part in 1 Peter 5. And this is really special to me because he's talking to pastors. He's talking about the task of shepherding. Let me just read to you the first few verses. So I exhort the elders among you as fellow elders and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker. Of glory. Peter is thinking ahead to that glorious day. God has given him this this task. He's not worthy of it. He's taking of, it. and he keeps this glorious day in mind when someday he's going to receive this unfading crown of glory. I mean, an unfading crown of glory. We're going to stand before Jesus, the one who spoke the universe into existence. Uh, the the one, the the creator, the the Lord over all of the universe, the one who died for you, and he's going to place on your head a crown of unfading glory. Do you have any idea how awkward that is going to be? That's what it's going to be is awkward, terribly awkward. I mean, Peter, he's got to be thinking, I denied you to a servant, girl. And you're going to put that on me? And as Jesus is looking at his eyes and he's, he's coming, he's like, Peter's got to be thinking, no, 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 you're not going to put that on me. And Jesus places on him a crown of unfading glory. And all he could do is, is the same thing the 24 elders do is take it off and say, I I don't think so. Not for me. To you be praise. Thank you for giving me the task. That is what the resurrection of Jesus has secured, secured for those who believe in him. And I want you to think of that this week. When you hear Jesus beckoning and calling, follow me. Follow me. Pray with me. Let's spend a moment just in silence before the Lord, asking Him to examine you and to press the reality of his resurrection on your heart. Do you live like one who believes that? Lord, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us has turned to their own way. Thank you that you are the good shepherd. You brought us back, gave your life for your sheep. In light of your death and your glorious resurrection, may we be utterly changed to our core. May we never, ever get over the wonder and the majesty and the glory. That awaits us. Forgive us when we cease to be awestruck by that. Forgive us when we cease to see all of life in view of that moment. Holy Spirit, press that on us. pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.